Hi, welcome. Welcome to Training with Casey, and I'm your host, Casey Cover. Working and living with animals is my passion. I expect it's pretty important to you also. Let's explore it together. Here, we talk mostly about training, but also about genetics, physiology, philosophy, enrichment, and more. We chase some pretty big rabbits into their burrows. Buckle your seatbelts and let's take a ride. Hi all, thanks for tuning in with me. I Just a quick note, we are launching the Perception Modification classes for 2024 this week and a number of people have been asking about doing private training sessions online or private consultations. Now, while I'm really, uh, you know, humbled, honored, delighted that you're interested, I don't have time right now. We are working so hard to get the materials online and there's a lot of materials. So there's one way to get private training and consultation time with me and that's by taking one of our small classes. So if you want to see amazing changes with your animals, I would be happy to do that with you, to take that journey. But I have to take it through the class. Thank you again and back to our story. I'm passionate about the subject of integrity, but I made an error during the podcast, so I just want to give you a heads up. I referred to Baltimore Aquarium as losing half of their animals. That's not correct. They lost two pregnant females, so a total of four animals due to anesthesia accidents. Uh, those were female gray seals. So I was referring to half of their pinniped or seal population. And one other note, I am so passionate about this subject because um, it really, really bothers me when another person that's had a career with animals turns around and says nobody should do that. Like, why shouldn't they do that? Well, they shouldn't do that because they did something that they think is really wrong and they don't want to see other people do that. And so I'm, I, you know, make a point, don't do that. Live in such a way that you don't, you know, have those feelings. But I do not mean to say that I am perfect. And on the way to realizing how important integrity is, I made errors also, but I did resolutely work to correct them and improve things. And that brings us to a lot of the techniques I teach now. Techniques like perception modification where we don't use extrinsic punishment on the animals at all. In fact, we don't even use food or toys. Okay, back to the story. Hey all, let's talk about integrity. This was actually the subject of our first podcast. I'm going to pretty much redo it, but 
at that time there was a local uh, there was a world event and I tied everything to that and I want to do it again but make it so it goes through all time and not being dated by anything so why is the podcast on integrity the very first thing I do and it's for a couple of reasons one is that I think practicing integrity in all that you do with animals to your greatest ability is the absolute best health and life insurance you can have. And I'm going to talk about more of that in a minute. But also having integrity in everything you do with animals, in the decisions you make, I think is the surest way to ensure that you will never regret your time in this very important field. There can be a lot of pressures on trainers to do something because it's expedient. There are people that want to see there's, you know, we need to catch a dolphin. We need to um, put it in a crate. We need to do whatever. And maybe for the very best reasons in the world, maybe it's to treat it for a medical condition or something like that. But every time we interact with these animals, we need to have integrity. And so let's talk about it. So integrity is the basis of creating respect and trust between us and the animals. We can, as we work with them, we can demonstrate that we see the things that are important to them, that we bring them to the table with us, that, um, you know, everything from if your animal wants to play with a ball and you need it to get a vet exam, there's a time to get a vet exam and there's a time to play with a ball. Both parties deserve to be heard and deserve to be important in the interaction. We can share risks. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to show you I'm willing to do it also. That's a big one in military leadership, right? You don't ask others to do what you're not willing to do. We can show awareness by admitting when we're frightened, when we hear something, when we don't understand what we hear. Uh, there's a lot of people that will say, oh, just act, act confident around an animal when something scary happens, like a scary sound or, you know, fireworks or something like that. Just act like everything's okay and kind of compel everything to go forward. You don't know if it's going to be okay. We can't control everything. Yeah, I think it's a lot better to say to that animal, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm here with you. Let's do our best to get through it together. And to demonstrate that you're watching out for them at the same time that they're watching out for you. 
and and to recognize that they're watching out for us. Uh, Kim Hawkinson and I were talking uh, during a recent webinar, and I said, who do you think takes more care of the other one? Do you think you take more care of your dog or your dog takes more care of you? And she thought about it for a minute. She goes, I think I take more care of my dog. And I, I just shook my head and I go, okay. And I go, but every time your dog barks, your dog is trying to take care of you. And she got this kind of shocked look on her face. And it was really something because it actually kind of moved her to tears. And she said, I hadn't thought about it that way. So the story we tell about Harlow and Kim is that every day at three o'clock, Harlow would bark, bark, bark because Kim's girls came home from school. And so Kim appreciated it and everything, but it was a little much like she'd be on the phone and bark, 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 bark. And so in the class, we said, well, did you ever consider just telling her what will happen? that the girls will be home at three o'clock. So she did. And that day when the girls came home, Harlow didn't bark at all. And Kim was astonished. She essentially relieved Harlow of the responsibility for making sure she knew her girls were home. And think about it from Harlow's perspective. It's like, you would think that after I've been barking for two years, <laughs> that Kim would figure out that the girls come home every day at three, but no, I've got to tell her every single day. And then Kim shared with her, well, I'm expecting them at three. And the dog's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Yeah, so that's kind of funny, but, you know, recognizing what the animals are doing for us appreciating that. So let me tell you a story from my situation. Um, and I've told this story before too, but I love it. Paparelli, a horse trainer, had said, if you go to sleep in the presence of your animal, it'll change your relationship. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this out. So it was around dusk and I took Sarah back to her pasture. She lived with um, three other really nice horses. And I released her. And then I said to her, Sarah, I'm going to lay down and take a nap here. And I was just going to close my eyes and wait a little bit and see what she did. And these other horses were so nice and knew me well enough. I didn't think they were going to run over the top of me or anything like that. And Sarah just kind of acted like, are you daft? But I resolutely lay down, close my eyes. Then after I thought it had been, you know, a little while, I opened my eyes and it was dark and I was totally disoriented. I couldn't figure out where I was. And then I felt the grass underneath me and I felt these two hard surfaces right behind me and I opened my eyes and Sarah is standing with her feet against my ribs so that if I moved, she would know it. And she's looking out watching 
to make sure nothing happens to me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I felt like a real idiot. I had really underestimated her. And I saw that she doesn't have the keys to the car. She doesn't have my halter, but she has my back, literally. So working in such a way that we are building this trust, this respect, this care between us, that is fueled by exercising integrity. So let's talk just a moment about training. So what's training? Training is, we say training and training implies that an animal will produce a predictable behavior given an agreed upon cue. So in training, the difference between training and teaching is teaching is an understanding that the animal has, but in training, that understanding is translated into an execution of behavior. But training is built of, first of all, communication. If the animal is motivated to help you, but you can't explain what you want, you're not gonna do very well. By the way, that's been a huge, huge, huge weakness of operant conditioning. The next element is motivation. You have to motivate the animal to want to align their purpose with yours. So in my bridge and target manual, I talk about if you had a youngster that wanted to make you a great Mother's Day breakfast and they're really motivated, but they don't have the skills to execute it. You're, you know, they don't have enough information and you're not gonna end up with a great Mother's Day breakfast. Might be very touching, but it's not gonna necessarily be delicious. But similarly, if you have a teenager who understands perfectly well how to clean their room and make their bed, unless you can motivate them, to align their purpose with yours, it still won't happen. So you have to bring communication and motivation together in a strategic way to produce aligned action. And leadership is not authoritarianism. Leadership is not even beating up the ones that are beating up on your friends or your animals or anything like that. Leadership is serving others. Serving others because by some set of events, you have advanced information of one kind or another that's going to enhance the people's lives their survivability, their empowerment, and you put those special skills and knowledge to the service of those that you serve. So 
If it's animals, you know, you're going to drive them to the park, right? You know how to drive. You've got the keys to the car. You're also going to explain to them about the veterinary visits. You're going to give them a chance to learn how to cooperate with the vets because it's that important. It's not something you do when you get done with obedience training or scent work or something like that. It's one of the first things you do because the animal needs these skills to have a safe and healthy life. So we want to enhance the safety, the longevity, the success. And in the case of working with human clients, we want to help them optimize so that they're living their best lives with these animals. So we want the animals to be able to be successful with all the humans it interacts with, but in particular with their, you know, uh, partner human. And we want that partner human to see the way clear to have a really wonderful life. Now, when we achieve this, when we, instead of imposing requirements on the animals, we inspire them. It's a really beautiful thing. So I have a couple of examples for you. I like to tell about, uh, Lila, not Lila, uh, Kelty. Kelty is a little female gray seal. And the gray seals were pretty aggressive initially. I used to carry my bucket in a certain way to keep them from biting me. And then as we got to know each other and work together, things really changed. And they became some of my closest friends of my entire animal work career. And at first, you know, this is before I knew what I know now, right? I do things differently now. But we did all this work to make sure they wouldn't bite and they get it set up to have a chance to bite. And then they had to decide whether to bite or not because we had to know that they wouldn't bite before we could go in and do veterinary procedures and so on. And it was really important because with gray seals, they had up to a 50% chance of dying just with routine anesthesia. And our sister aquarium in Baltimore experienced exactly that. In the amount of time that I was at National Zoo, we lost one animal to a freak accident and they lost half of their animals to routine anesthesia accidents. So it's really important to be able to work with these animals safely. It's not just, oh, I want to be able to play with my animals in person. No, it's keeping them safe. So we did all this work. And then I was just walking past Kelty. And as I walked past, she's going, ah. And I just went swinging my arms and I swang right by her teeth. I brushed her teeth. I didn't mean to. You know, it was both. We just kind of converged at the same instant in time. And I pulled back and saw that Kelty didn't mean anything by it. But Kelty, I mean, these animals, right, they have a natural response to want to bite down on something 
that goes into their mouth. That's how they catch fish and everything. She did not want to bite me. She's gagging, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there going, Kelty, I know, I know you did not mean to do that. That's my fault. You are good. Oh, gosh. I mean, it was obvious she was really distressed at the idea that she might accidentally bite me. Well, you can't be any safer than that. With Kelty looking after my well-being that carefully, that's my best chance to avoid being bitten. Rather than me being a great authoritarian and ready to, you know, teach them not to do that and all that kind of stuff. Especially when you've got multiple animals. Sometimes there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five to seven animals in there. And that's a lot of animals to keep straight at once. Okay, so that's the Kelty story, but here's another one. And this one, gosh, I have a hard time even telling this. So we had this gray seal named Lila, and she was born in captivity. And the people just wanted to make sure that she was safe. And they kind of didn't trust the mother gray seal to make decisions about her own baby. So they drained the pool and filled it up with hay bales so that little Lila could not slip into the water and drown. Can you imagine, that would be, I mean, everybody had the best intentions, but can you imagine if you went to the hospital to have your baby and all of a sudden the air is purple and they put you like in, you know, those little balls or something. So you can't fall on the ground. And you're like, I'm, I'm trying to have a baby. And what's going on here? What's wrong with the world? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyway, Lila is the most stressed gray seal I ever knew. And as you know, stress is directly related to illness and disease and death. And Lila had uh, gotten a chlamydia infection in her eyes and it robbed her vision. It made her blind. It was very, very painful. I went in to see her and Lila wasn't assigned to me directly. She was under my management, but I wasn't her direct trainer. And she didn't really seem to have a really strong relationship with anybody and certainly not with me. And she was up on her little tippy toes like this. And, and if you can see the white in my knuckles, that's how, she, I mean, her knuckles were covered with fur, but she was like this. And you can see the pain, she would go, because <laughs> marine mammals usually breathe out. And, you know, they, they stay there with their air out rather than breathing in. So she would blow all this air out and then just sit there like this. And as she would squeeze her eyes, this pus and serum would shoot out of her eyes. And the vets were afraid that the infection would travel up the optic nerve and into her brain and kill her. So they wanted to give her a shot, a bolus of penicillin, but 
they want to give it to her right behind her eyeball. As a matter of fact, they wanted to go in right here, right above the eye. And so they asked me if I would get Lila out and put her on a bodyboard. So all the animals knew to come into these squeeze cages. And I had a bodyboard on the bottom of the squeeze cage. And Lila, in spite of the fact that she didn't want to eat, she didn't even want to go into the water. She got in this cage. She got on the bodyboard. I'm telling her, Lila, they're trying to help you. We just were so sorry. We don't know what to do. I put all the straps on her so that I forget how many, but like 10 or 20 or maybe even 40 straps holding her down. Then we raise the squeeze cage out, take the uh, look at her on this bodyboard. But even though she couldn't lift her head, she had full range of motion from side to side. And the vets looked at that and they said, that's not safe. We can't do that. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're afraid she's going to die. But it's not safe to give her the injection this way so that what? She'll just die? And they were right. Man, I have seen a seal just take the muscle right off of somebody's arm. I saw a seal that was anesthetized do that right in front of my eyes. And it was so fast. My eyes could not process what happened. Anyway, I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. And I said, what if I take Lila off the bodyboard and ask her to get up on this wedge-shaped seat that we have? And they look at me like, yeah, well, then she can move all over the place. And I'll put my hands on either side of her face. And I'll target her so you can come in and give her the injection. So they look at each other and they kind of give me a sideways glance. Like they're trying to assess, did Casey actually realize that she'll be the one to get bitten in this case? But yeah, I did realize that. But I just said to Lila, Lila, I tapped her on the right over the island. I said, they want to give you an injection here and it's going to hurt like hell. And I tapped her eye. And as I did, she squeezed her eyes and all this pus and serum just shot all over down the front of my face, my, not my face so much, but the front of my shirt. And it did get on my chin and everything, but oh my gosh, this poor gray seal. And I said, okay, I'm going to put my hands here, Lila, and you need to be steady for, you know, ready? Here we go. Good, 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 good. And I've got my hands in place. And I said to the vets, go. And they just came in there and stuck the needle in and gave Lila, Lila the shot of penicillin. If you've ever had penicillin like that, you know it stings like crazy. And we didn't know if it would hurt Lila because, you know, does she have pain reception back there or even just from the pressure? We don't know. But in any case, they pull the needle out, they step back and they go, well, that was easier than we thought it was going to be. And I was in shock. I was in shock because Lila was still like this and she was breathing, breathing, breathing. I said, Lila, I hope to goodness. I hope 
that that's going to help you. That's why we did that. And the vets left. And I let Lila go. And I was so moved. I just, the tears just started to come. I realized I had so underestimated Lila. I thought because she was so stressed that she didn't have a relationship. I might not have been her best friend, but she trusted me. And because she trusted me, she honored me with the ability to help her life be better. Lila recovered from that infection. She did not gain her eyesight back, but she went on to live for many, many more years. And if she had not, if we didn't have integrity between us, even though we, I didn't think we had friendship, I knew that I had always dealt with Lila honestly, with transparency, congruency, coherency, with respect, and making sure things that that were that things were mutually beneficial and mutually responsible. Those are the six elements of integrity as I see it. We had another case with Jordy, the rhino. Jordy needed something similar. He had to get an abscess flushed under his horn. They've been trying for eight months. He wouldn't cooperate. I go to his zoo. I didn't know him from anybody, nor did he ever know me. They gave me his sack of cut up vegetables and bread and so forth. That was what I had to train him with. And I just explained, Jordy, they're trying to help you. They want to put betadine and water in the abscess under your horn. You can do this like this, or they're thinking about using the shoot or anesthesia. Now, as I say these things to these animals, I also think them in pictures. But you know what? What I keep finding out is they probably don't even need the pictures. I do it anyway, because if anything can help, I want to make it available to them. Like if they can read my mind and see my little pictures in my mind, outstanding. Here you go, guys. But over and over and over again, I find out these animals have already learned so much you know, English or French, whatever language we're dealing in. And come on, if you lived in Russia for six months or three years or whatever, don't you think you'd pick up a lot of Russian words just from studying what was going on? Absolutely. So with Jordy, I I was only there for part of a day. And so... I explained this to him and then I showed him what we were doing and the syringes. I let him examine them, all the little pieces, all the substances. I let him see each thing and think about it before I went to the next step. I got his permission before I went to the next step. Asking permission is one of the most important things that we can do to maintain integrity with the animals. So we did all that. 
and it was time to actually put the um, tube from the syringe into the hole of the, in under the abscess. And I asked him to do this for me. And he whips his head away like, I'm not going to do that. And I whipped my head away. Like, I'm not going to make you do it, but I'm also not going to chase you. And I said to him, you I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. And he waited for just a minute. And then he kind of gives me a little sidelong glance and he starts looking on the floor for food or that's what it seemed like. And I moved the syringe with the tube into position, but I did not put it in his horn. And then Jordy moved his head up and inserted the tube right into the abscess hole so that I could then flush air and let him see what it was. And the instant I flushed that air and pulled it out, I was like, see, you only had to do it for an instant. Now think about it. that wasn't so bad, was it? And then I went and got water. And the first thing is when I went to get the water, Jordy tried to go with me. His trainer was right there with all that great food. And he wanted to leave and come with me. Why? I absolutely believe it's because sharing, parity, treating somebody else with respect and recognizing their intelligence and um, their concerns and everything else trumps food. It's more important than food. When the animals see that you are this way, they trust you. And that is why Jordy came forward. He could have been anywhere in this big old exhibit. And he comes right to the wall, you know, the barrier between him and the public, and works with me for this entire training session. And I'm going to tell you, the food was not the payoff. The food was not the payoff. But can you imagine if you knew that your head hurt and you were worried about it and all these people just kept trying to stick things in your abscess and not explain it to you and you're like, get away. Don't you know that hurts? And then finally, somebody comes and explains it to you. I know you're, I know it hurts. And I'm trying to help you. And here's what I think could help. That's what it takes, right? That's we go to the doctor and we let them stick needles in us. And we try to be brave and everything else because we believe that they have our best interests at heart. If they don't believe that we see them as important beings and that we are trustworthy, why would they trust us? Now, those are all compelling reasons to establish integrity with animals. I'm going to tell you the most important one. I've been doing this for just about 50 years now. Boy, have I loved every minute of it. I even love scrubbing algae off the poles. 
and chopping 450 pounds of fish every morning and being freezing cold and being out there in the middle of the night when ice was forming on the pool and we had to tie ourselves with ropes and let ourselves down so we didn't just slide down the ice into the water. And the times that I got to the zoo in an ice storm and had to sit down on a piece of cardboard and let myself down from the parking lot into my area, which I don't know, quarter of a mile away or something, hand over hand, holding on to rocks and branches and all this stuff. Because otherwise I'd just slide into oblivion all the way down to the creek, probably. Anyway, I have had such a wonderful adventure and I've met and worked with so many amazing animals. And I have no regrets. I know that I help those animals to have really great lives. And as you know, my animals tended to live very long lives. I helped them live good, long lives. They loved being at the zoo. I've told you the stories of even the animals like the turkey that got out and we didn't even know it, the otters. They got out, we didn't even know, but they always came back. In fact, the reason I didn't know the otters got out is people would tell me they were out and I'd run up to check them. And when I opened the door, they were always right there until the day that I actually caught them out myself. I saw them running around on top of the exhibit and I was in shock and I ran up to where they lived. And by the time I opened the gate, they were inside the exhibit. Hi, Casey, what are we doing now? I know my animals love their life. I know they knew that they were bringing people together to admire them and learn about them and that this was really important. And I never breached my integrity. I never did something that I thought was wrong because somebody told me to do it. I stood up for my animals when I needed to. There was the time when the fish that was being delivered wasn't good quality. And I went down and made a stand. I will not accept this quality of fish. The law says it has to be human consumption quality. This is not good enough. My animals are getting sick. I got put under investigation for that. And you know what the investigators came back and said? If anything, I should have been even more demanding. There you go. One of the things that has really troubled me is when I've seen people that did not exercise integrity in their work with animals. They pushed animals. They exploited animals. They um, didn't feed them well. They didn't feed them enough. They didn't treat them humanely. Over and over again, these people then come and say, nobody else should get to have animals. People should not have animals. I, I really have a problem with this. I'm thinking of a very well-known sanctuary 
where exactly this happened. Somebody went out and made their living by um, working with an animal, an exotic animal, and then turned around and lobbied for nobody else to ever be able to do that same thing. They were some special case, but nobody else was good enough. Yeah, that doesn't have integrity right there. So if you're a young up and coming trainer, you need to set your standards for yourself now and set them high. You need to always be trustworthy. You need to always make sure that you weigh the animal's best interest equally with your own, that you are honest with the animals, that you are dedicated to them, that you don't do what's expedient, you do what is right. Even when, for example, I was offered a job at another oceanarium, but the way the place was built, there's no way those animals could live long, healthy lives. And I could not take that job. I could not take that job and get paid for putting animals in a situation that I knew they could not thrive in. So I don't do that job. And as a result, I don't question my career and my choices and my contribution to animals. And I wish the same for every new animal professional coming along. Integrity is worth the investment. Thank you for sharing time with me. And we'll see you next time. Hi, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you coming here and listening. And please become part of the conversation. I love to hear your comments and I'd love for you to tell me how this affects you, if it makes you angry, if it makes you interested, whatever. And as always, I appreciate it so much when you help us get the word out. I hope you'll come back and I'll see you next time.